Now, we've been talking about faith breakers, and what is a faith breaker? It's something that shatters or shakes your faith. You, you can almost feel like your faith is threatened when you are experiencing a faith breaker. Now, the last couple of weeks I've been talking about it, I'm going to talk about it again today, a big one, one that I've never spoken on, and maybe you've never heard a message on, but I want to talk to you today about when leaders fail, because leaders do fail. And if you've been alive the last, oh, I don't know, 20 years, we've seen all kinds of failures of leadership, spiritual leadership, on a national scale that the news loves to cover. Um, people that we have looked to, people we have listened to, uh, people that we have put a lot of trust in and, and, and they failed. And what do you do with that? Do you know that there's a lot of people who are not in church today, not just this one, but all over America, because a, the faith breaker of failed leadership took them out? Well, I'm going to talk to you today about how not to let it take you out. Because a man of God's a man first. A woman of God is a woman first. And we're all flawed and we all fail. But I'm going to talk to you about one who never fails. Look up. He doesn't ever fail. Amen? <clears throat> now, I'm going to read two passages of Scripture, one about one of the great failures in the Bible. Now, not the man. The man was not a failure, but he sure failed, and that's King David. I'm going to talk to you about how he failed, and then I'm going to talk, read a couple of verses about what he did to cover up his failure. So let's read 2 Samuel 11, 1 to 4. 2 Samuel 11, 1 to 4, it says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. However, David stayed behind, first mistake. He got out of his grace. His grace was to fight and win. But he stayed behind, let everybody else go fight, first mistake. Everybody say, stay in your lane. Now, David stayed behind in Jerusalem, verse 2. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, he took a nap. David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace, and as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Everybody say, uh-oh. He stayed behind, and because he stayed behind, he was looking where he shouldn't. Now look at verse 3. He sent somebody to find out who she was, and he was told, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Uriah was one of David's mighty men. He was at the top of the list. One of David's loyal men. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Well, that's where all the trouble began. Now let's look at chapter 11, same chapter, verse 14. He, he has tried to get Uriah to spend the night with his wife. He won't do it. So David is stuck because now she's pregnant. Everybody say, uh-oh, again. Your sin will find you out. So she's pregnant now with David's child. He's trying to get Uriah to spend the night with her so he can blame it on him. But Uriah is too faithful. 
he won't even go because his own people or his, his, his fellow soldiers are fighting the battle. So David's stuck now. What do I do? I got to cover this up. Where, where am I going to go? I, what am I going to do? Well, he should have confessed right then and there and gotten it done with. But look what he did. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. Everybody say, that's cold. What was the letter? The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. Cold. Doesn't get colder than that. Father, thank you for your blessing today on the word of God. Help us, the Lord, learn how to keep on going and not allow the failure of leadership to be a faith breaker, but rather a faith maker. And Lord, I just pray for not only those that are in this sanctuary, but those watching by streaming and those who will hear this on radio and by podcast around the world. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to people whose faith has been shattered and shaken and get them back in the game. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. <clears throat> All right. Now, I do want to talk to you about the faith breaker of fallen leadership. It happens when a man or a woman you hold in high esteem, who you've placed on a pedestal, who has led you, inspired you, fed you, and represented Christ to you, fall into some kind of sin or error. What do you do when a leader falls or fails? How do you respond? Do you decide, now here's what I've noticed through the years, do you decide Christianity is fake and just walk away because the leader failed? If, if that's what you did, you were in hero worship, not following a leader. Because the fall of a leader should never make you fall away. But now, let's go on. Do you use it as an opportunity to descend into criticism and heavy judgmentalism against that leader? Do you, do you allow it to give you license to sin? Because after all, if my leader went off the rails, why can't I? Well, if he couldn't make it, how can I make it? If she couldn't make it, how can I make it? And so all these things come into play in our heads when a leader fails. And like I've already said, there's thousands of church, formerly church-going people all over America today who are staying home and haven't been in church maybe for a long time because of the faith breaker of a failed or a fallen leader. They became disillusioned, jaded, cynical, and walked away because a leader failed. Now, I want to show you today how to allow a faith breaker to become a faith maker as a matter of fact, how the fall of a leader can literally take you to the next level because I'm going to show you somebody who did it in the Bible. Now, in our text, we just read of David's darkest hour. That, that was David's darkest hour. Um, it's difficult to grasp how the man after God's own heart who, who sang to God there in the, uh, in the pastures when he was a young teenager played on his harp wrote love songs to God, the anointed killer of Goliath. It's very, very hard to understand how he could walk through such a dark door as to not just commit adultery, but send Bathsheba's wronged husband, one of his own mighty men, 
with his own suicide note to Joab, telling Joab, put him on the front lines and let him be taken out. You put him on the front lines and then pull back and let him fight alone where he dies. That's cold. We, we read that and we go, how, how, how could a, a man do that? I have, I have an answer for you. We're all fallen and our flesh will do anything. And, and here's the deal. One sin almost always leads to another. And, and, and you end up having to cover up what you've done. And it's usually in the cover up that you sin worse than what you're trying to cover up. So here's David. He, he's committed adultery with Bathsheba. But now he says, how can I get it covered up? I got to kill her husband. Following David's terrible deed, Nathan the prophet came to him, called him out on it, and told him that he would reap the consequences within his own family. He said, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. God spoke that through Nathan. I'm going to raise up adversity against you, David, from your own household, from your own, your own kiddos. Almost immediately, the consequences began to fall. The baby conceived through David and Bathsheba's sin died. Soon his other children began to go wild on him. Incest, murder, betrayal, and heartache visited David's household in wave after wave of tragedy. And he knew exactly why it was all going down like that. His household troubles reached their apex when David's handsome striking, impressive son, Absalom, developed a root of bitterness against him and hatched a plot to overthrow his own daddy and take his place as king. Over time, through flattery and manipulation, we see Absalom standing at the gate where the people came and went, and he's smooching up to them, flattering them, complimenting them, dropping little seeds of destruction like, well, if I were king... My dad's not taking care of you, but if I were king, I would do it differently. There is a spirit of Absalom. There is a spirit of Absalom that will get on a church if you're not careful, and somebody will decide, well, I need to overthrow that pastor or that leadership, and they'll start sowing little seeds of discontent in the congregation. Well, if I were a pastor, if I was in leadership, I'd this and I'd that. Anytime you hear that, you need to look for the nearest exit door and run because that person is not walking in trust in God. Hey, God puts down one and raises up another. You, know, you never have to fight for a godly position. He will put you there. Amen? He will put you there. But over time, through flattery and manipulation, Absalom succeeded in turning half the kingdom, the Bible says, away from David and unto himself. The Bible says the conspiracy was strong. Within a few short years, Absalom led a full-fledged mutiny. Along with a handful of loyal supporters, David was driven into the wilderness running for his life. One commentator writes this about that. No more pathetic page is found in the Old Testament than that which tells the story of David's flight before Absalom, his only son. He's crushed by the awareness <clears throat> that his punishment is deserved. It's the bitter fruit of his sin, and he knows it because God already told him what was going to come down. It was God's very word through Nathan to him coming to pass. I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. Now here is 
one of his only sons, one of his own sons, overthrowing him. And it was real. And it almost succeeded. As David flees to the wilderness in humiliation, sackcloth on his body, ashes on his head, running for his life, his past failure is now bringing consequences the whole nation sees firsthand. Everybody's seeing it. Because what you do in secret is going to come out in the open. And say that again, what you, what you do in secret is going to come out in the open. Don't kid yourself. More people than not understood that all this was happening due to David's sin. Most of the people in his kingdom knew about it. And they knew why all this was happening. And many of them, I believe, were defecting and going to Absalom because they didn't handle David's fall right. And it's during this time now that two key people step into the stage of history with two different responses to the king's failure. For one of them, the failure of leadership was a faith breaker from which he never recovered. For another, it was a faith maker that took him to the next level in his walk with God. I want to be the second one, not the first one. Amen? Let me talk about the first one. The first one's name is Ahithophel. I don't even know how you make that short. Hey, Ahith. But Ahithophel had been David's counselor, friend, confidant, and supporter. He was, he was David's BFF. Best friend. Tight. Walked with him. Right by his side. Ahithophel was accomplished, brilliant, polished, and highly favored in Israel. Highly respected. And he was especially known for his wise counsel. Oh, he was a good counselor. The Bible says that in David's time, Ahithophel's counsel, quote, seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. He was a counselor. But watch this, everybody. When David failed, rather than walk through his friend's valley with him, Ahithophel turned against him. David's failure became a, a faith breaker that made this man walk away from his best friend and it became a faith breaker for him. His whole life began to spiral because of David's sin. It is Ahithophel about whom David wrote these words. If an enemy were making fun of me, I could stand it. If he were getting ready to oppose me, I could hide. But it's you, Ahithophel, someone like myself, it's my companion, my close friend. We used to enjoy good friendship at the house of God. We used to walk together among those who came to worship. This is post, this is, this is, this is during the rebellion. David writes this psalm regarding his friend, his former friend, who he now learned had turned on him. David's close friend, the one he went to church with, who he had worshiped with and shared his heart with. Couldn't handle the faith breaker of David's fall. For Ahithophel, his fall was a deal killer. It was an insurmountable obstacle. He didn't know how to handle it. He didn't know how to, how to deal with it. It offended him. It knocked him sideways. And adding insult to injury, he ultimately joined hands with David's traitorous son, Absalom, in the attempt to overthrow David. Ahithophel changed teams and became Absalom's counselor to literally give him advice on how to capture and kill David, his 
former best friend. What did it? The fall of leadership. Fall of leadership. When David was told that Ahithophel had defected and gone over to Absalom, it broke his heart. And all he could do was pray and say, Oh God, frustrate the counsel of Ahithophel so that it doesn't work against me. Because I know how good he is. Now things ended badly for this formerly great man. Ahithophel tragically ended his own life when Absalom decided to reject his advice for the advice of somebody else. And when, they, and when Absalom rejected Ahithophel's advice, it says he went home, put his house in order, and hung himself. This once successful, influential, angel-like counselor of the king died a depressed, dejected suicide. Offense over David's failure became the event that, that changed his life forever. The fall of leadership. The fall of leadership. Now, now, now notice how it matters how you respond to the fall of leadership. Look at Ahithophel. He had everything going for him. Riches, fame, favor. But when a leader fell, he couldn't handle it. He went wrong. Hey, well, I, I'm not sticking with this guy. I'm not going to walk with this guy. I'm not going to stand with this guy. I'm not going to help him. I'm going to turn on him. And it, and, and it set his life into a spiral down motion that ended up in tragedy. I believe it matters greatly how we respond to failed leadership. Okay? Now, <clears throat> let, let's get things on a brighter side because y'all are looking gloomy. Are you ready? <clears throat> Another man had a completely different response to David's failure. His name was Itai. Itai. Everybody say Itai. I-T-T-A-I. Itai. I, I thought about calling him Ittai, but I kept thinking of Cousin It. And if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. So I don't want to call him Ittai, because it sounds too much like It. So I'm going to give it a little more flair. Ittai. So Ittai. Now, Ittai had been a, ser <clears throat> a servant of David's only a short time when the king was forced to flee uh, into the wilderness and, and flee from Jerusalem and flee from his son. No doubt he knew all about David's sin, for it was now common knowledge. Everybody knew about David's sin by now. Everybody knew. It's AI was an intelligent, discerning man, able to connect the dots. When he looked at what was happening to David, no doubt he said to himself, this mutiny led by his own son Absalom is part of David's reaping for his sin and failure. No doubt about it. But instead of stumbling over David's failure, Itai chose loyalty. His response when David encouraged him to go back home and not follow him into the wilderness reminds me of what Ruth said to Naomi. Here's what he said. As the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. David, I know you blew it. I know you're down. I know you're reaping. But I'm not going anywhere, David. I'm with you. And I choose loyalty. He would serve wherever his king was, whatever his king wanted, whatever it cost him. Now, I want to be real, real clear about something today, because this is going to matter, and, and I think you're already, some of you are already thinking it. 
I am not telling you that when a leader fails, you should remain under his or her leadership no matter what. That's a matter of prayer. That's a matter of obedience to God's leading to your individual soul. And really it depends greatly on whether or not the leader repents and gets it right. There's a lot of leaders that fail and they never fess up. They never admit it. They make excuses, blame everybody else. They don't ever come clean. And, and when that happens, then I would, I would wonder about getting under that leadership. But, but I'm sharing with you a principle. What I am saying is, even if you leave, you should honor the position and avoid character assassination through gossip. <clears throat> Come on, everybody. Now, now, let me tell you a little something I've, I've noticed in life, and I guarantee you this is true. I see it all through the Word of God, and I've seen it in my own life. God watches not just the fallen leader himself, but the responses of everybody around them. He, he, God is watching and weighing the responses of everybody in that leader's orbit and how they respond. Let me give you an example. As David fled the city, there was a man named Shimei. Oh, he was so much fun. The Bible says Shimei ran along beside David. Here's David. He's got ashes on his head. He's wearing sackcloth. He, he has lost his kingdom temporarily. His own son has tried to destroy and kill him and is now after him to kill him. He is humiliated. He is beaten down. He can hardly see in front of him. And here comes Shimei running along. He's just over here. He's just beyond David, who has some of his men around him. And it says that Shimei began to curse David continuously and threw stones at the king and at all his servants. Boy, David's men said, David, get out of the way. Let me just whack his head off. That's the revised wickwire slanted amplified version. Get out of my, get out, David, can't we just go take him out? David said, let him alone. The Lord may have bidden him. Maybe if we just let him do this, the Lord will have mercy on us. Just leave him alone. Let's just focus on moving forward. And, and he moved forward. But, but, he, but he threw stones at the king and at all his servants, accusing David of things that David had never even done. He accused David of shedding the blood of the house of Saul when David had never shed one drop of the blood of the house of Saul. But here's what was going on with Shimei. He's down, he's out, he's never coming back. So I'm going to let him have it. He had no fear of God, no fear of David's position in God. He, he had no sense at all of spiritual authority. And he just let loose on David. And God saw Shimei's actions and later he would lose his life at the hands of Solomon, David's son. When David was dying, he said to Solomon, hey, Let's talk shop before I go to heaven. He said, you remember that Shimei? And Solomon said, oh yeah. David said, take care of it. Reminds me of the mafia, take care of it. <laughs> take care of it. And Solomon did. He took care of it. How much... Shimei is like so many who become embittered over fallen leadership and they hurl curses and stones at them and, and beat them down, but not Ithai. His attitude was, I I'm with you in your dark hour. Even if you brought this on yourself, David, I'm still going to 
I'm still going to support you. And I'm going to show you in a minute why I believe he did it. Not only did Itai walk through David's valley with him, but now once he's in there with David and he has expressed his loyalty, David promoted him. Even though David was down, he still had power with the army that was with him. And he promoted Itai to be part of the team that went to war against David's defectors, which was a promotion in David's army that Itai held forever. Now, here's what I believe was driving Itai. I want you to listen very carefully to me. I believe Itai understood that this whole ugly insurrection, the attack against the king, was part of a bigger picture. An entire kingdom and the testimony of God through Israel was at stake. There was way more in play than just David. David was just a man like you and me. David was just a man like you and me. But David had God's hand on him. And David had been called to a purpose that was bigger than David, mightier than David, uh, greater than David. It was the purpose that God had for Israel. I want a nation that will preach and declare the glory of my name to the entire world. And also, through David's lineage, was going to come Christ Jesus the Messiah. Oh, yeah. Boy, this, but he looked at this mutiny. It was serious. The Bible says all the country wept with a loud voice. The whole nation was crying. The whole nation was in tears. The whole nation was torn and ripped and shattered and confused. And Itai understood that though David had sinned, he was still God's anointed king, and the attack against him was wrong, and there was more at stake than just David. God's purpose in the earth was in play. So Itai said, in helping him, I'm serving the purpose. See, you should never follow a leader because of a leader's charisma or likability or whatever. You should follow a leader if you can witness to the purpose that is on that leader. If that leader is preaching the gospel, teaching the word of God, reaching the world, involved in the great commission, then you join yourself to that leadership because you're joining yourself to that purpose, not just a man. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. Come on. See, I hope you're not here because of me or any other leaders up here. I hope you're here because of the vision that we have. Inreach, outreach, upreach, inreach, building Christ in you. Outreach, reaching the world for Christ. Upreach, worshiping the real Christ. That's our purpose. You haven't joined me, you've joined a purpose. I remember one day I flipped on the TV and I was just kind of going channel surfing. And I ran across a Special Olympics track meet. It was a Special Olympics children with special needs and it was a it was a track meet it was a a race and so it kind of grabbed me because it showed these kids with special needs running around this track and boy they were into it and there was this great big crowd in the stands and you could see all the parents you could see all the video cameras going and the whole bit and there was there there was the network cameras and they're running along they're running 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 and then all of a sudden from a distance you see one of them fall Never forget this. I'll never forget this. And so the camera pulled in tight. And this, this kid had, 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 
I don't know what he did. He hurt his leg and he fell. And he was crying and he was grabbing his leg and he was crying. And, and you saw the rest of the runners just kept on going, but one of them. One of them kept looking back, kept looking back, kept looking back. Finally, he stopped. And he trotted back to his friend. And he stooped down. I don't know what he said, but you could see that he was talking to him. He was patting him on the back. Everybody else was running towards the finish line, but they're just there. And, and then his friend helped him up. And they walked to the finish. Everybody forgot about the one that broke the tape first, because now all eyes are on this. Now, what did that one understand who stopped? He said, even though he fell, the race isn't over. Even though he fell, the race is not gone. The purpose for which we're on this track didn't go away with his fall. Come on. Here's the deal. He, he, he thought to himself, I'm going back to him because, no, I'm not going to break the tape. I'm not going to be first. But I'm on this track to finish what I began. My purpose is to finish this race. So I'm going to finish. And if I've got to stop for a minute and help a brother back up who has fallen, I will do it. And together, they walked across the finish line. Now, folks, here's the deal. Though David fell, the purpose for which Israel was there didn't. Come on, everybody. So what you do is when a leader fails, you remember why you were following the leader. Not because of the leader, but because of what the leader stood for. And what he stood for did not fall with him. Come on. No, you keep on going. You keep on running. You keep on fighting. And you serve the purpose that leader was also serving. And if you get your eye on the purpose and off of the leader, you will not experience a faith breaker, but it will be a faith maker because you will get up again. You will run again. You will finish the fight. You will run your course. I'm going to get this CD that's good preaching. Get it with this one. Now watch this. Because I've seen leaders fall. I've seen ministries completely crash. But listen, I'm not following a man. I'm following the man. I'm not following a person. I'm following a savior. And that savior's purpose never falls or is crippled because of someone else's fall. The purpose remains strong. The purpose remains strong. Idii understood. David's down. But the purpose that God put on his life is not down. The kingdom of Israel. The coming of the Messiah. So I'm going to help him get back on his feet. I'm going to stand with him. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to minister to him. I'm going to love him until he's back on his feet. Because if he gets back on his feet, the purpose that was on him is even going to be stronger. So let's break down how Itai avoided the faith breaker of fallen leadership and turned into a faith maker. Let me sum it up. First, say with me, he chose to serve rather than sever his relationship with the king. Ahithophel severed his relationship with David and it placed him on the wrong side of things. He severed 
his relationship. But it's how I served. Eddie, I chose to serve, and it placed him squarely on the side of God's plan for David and for Israel and for Messiah Jesus. Second, he chose to suffer with the fallen. And in this way, he fulfilled the New Testament verse that says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Can I tell you a secret? Everybody in here has fallen somehow. Everybody in here. If you look at me and go, not me, Pastor Jeff, I'm strong as steel. Well, I beg to differ. You're as strong as he is, but you also are in a house of flesh that can fail at any given time. We've all failed. You failed this week in something you thought, something you said, somewhere you went, something you did, an attitude that you copped. He chose to suffer with the fallen and help carry him. It's easy to stand on the sidelines and kick a fallen brother or sister when they're down. That's easy. But the mudslinger always winds up with dirty hands. Always. Third, he chose to fight for God's purpose on David's life. It was not just about David. It was about God's plan for a nation and for a Messiah. So it's how I conquered the faith breaker of fallen leadership. Stand with me, would you? It's how I conquered the faith breaker of fallen leadership by serving instead of severing. Suffering with David rather than coming against him. And fighting for God's cause rather than fighting the fallen. Itzi transformed a faith breaker into a faith maker. And he was rewarded with honor. And when David got back into his kingdom, you think he didn't honor Itzi? And David finished out his course. Died in a ripe old age. And his distant descendants brought forth Messiah. Wow. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord for a moment and just say with me, Lord, help me to respond rightly to fallen leadership. Let it be a faith maker. Now, some of you may need to, right here today, right now, forgive a leader who failed or fell, and it offended you, and it it jaded you, it, it hurt you, and you're still carrying it. I want to encourage you right now to say, Lord, I forgive, and you fill in the blank. Because you weren't following that person really, You are following the cause that was on them. And that cause is still good. So say with me, Lord, I forgive them. With all of my heart. Now take a minute and just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that You're my God 
yes, Lord. All together, wonderful to Sing it now again. The words are up there. Let's sing it. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely. All together worthy. All together wonderful to if you need this today, can you give the Lord a hand of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, there's a word on my heart. I just want to share it. Listen, some of you have got somebody in your life, and you, just like that special needs Olympics, they, they have fallen in front of you. And you know what they're needing? Somebody to turn around. And kneel down where they are and speak to them and help them up. It could be a spouse, it could be a child, it could be a friend, it could be a spiritual leader, doesn't I don't know who. But that word is sitting on me. Some of you have someone in your life that way, and they will be shocked if you call them. I got a call one day. I'm going to end with this. We're doing good. Everybody okay? I got a call one day that somebody I had known a long time had badly fallen. And here's what I believe in doing. I believe in swooping in quick while the person is hurting before they have hardened their heart or gotten so cynical they've walked away. And I remember I was driving down the road. Actually, I can remember going around Loop 820. I remember right where I was. I was right near that great big church of Christ on 820. And I picked up my phone in my car and I called them. Let's just say Bob. They weren't Bob, but Bob. When I said Bob, they went stone cold. They thought I was calling to pull a shimmy eye on them and hurl rocks and curses. But I didn't. I was Itai. And I said, listen, I know you're hurting. And, and you know what? I want you to know I don't condemn you. And if you want to talk, I'm here. They started crying on the phone. I hung up. Within two weeks, they were out there. And they came up to me right in this altar and embraced me and wept on my shoulder until my shoulder was soaked. And God has healed them, totally healed them. Now, so I'm just telling you, go back and, and think, who are you to judge? I mean, now we have to judge sin. Don't get me wrong. I judge sin all the time. We got to know what's right and what's wrong. But when it comes to a person, who are you, I better put, to castigate them? How about, how about being itty-eye? Amen? Now, I'm just leaving you with that. How many of you, okay, I'm done talking to you about this. Let me brag on Wednesday night for a minute.